Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the official Chala Toys podcast on Grapple Arcade. I am Pablo, and I have with me designer extraordinaire. He is a collector. He is a nerd. We're going to get along just fine. I have with me Matty Breeze. He is the designer of the new packaging of the new line from Chella Toys and Figure Collections, Bone Crushing Wrestlers. I cannot wait to talk about uh, the previous incarnation of these figures. And uh, I'm going to, I'm swear, I'm going to try and get some scoop out of you uh, on this show. We'll see what we can do. I'm not trying to like journalistic cul-de-sacs or anything like that but uh we'll see what we can do how are you doing <laughs> good how are you doing Baba? i'm good i'm good uh well before we get into the interview uh some uh cool news that uh wrestling trader have announced that the al snow uh cello toys action figure will be available for pre-order on the 10th of december and um it's it's an amazing figure uh I'm, I'm constantly blown away by the uh the work that cello have done and i'm not I'm not just saying this because this is the official cello toys podcast but uh i'm a huge fan of the work that cello put in along with yourself and along uh you know along with the rest of the team so uh yeah where where are you calling from today i'm from the uh, northwest part of the united states Nice. So I'm. I'm just. Uh, I'm grateful that you have been uh, accommodating in the time difference because I usually, if it's someone on the on the west coast, I have to uh, do this at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually less coherent than I am now, which is uh, which is saying something. So. Um, right. So your uh, background as a uh, as a designer um, was. Were you always attracted to designing wrestling? Uh, based things or were, were there other things that you had in mind um yeah I mean I got into wrestling really heavily probably uh I guess it was the tail end of 96 um started out the best big, time yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yep yeah uh, started out as a big WCW fan I was one of those guys that was terribly loyal to WCW and couldn't stand WWF and but then I think it was the the raw after WrestleMania 14 I finally broke down and watched and I was like okay this is actually really good and me and my brother were were big fans we both quite quickly switched over to to WWF fans instead and uh, yeah I just started I started buying the the figures from there and um, started doing a lot of customizing I did a lot of customs. My, I think my first one I ever did was I did a Surfer Sting that was uh, made from a Sid, like the series. I think a Series Three Sid. Um, mm. But yeah, that was that was the very first one I did, and I probably made hundreds and hundreds of them throughout the late '90s. So, yep. So I've, I've been doing doing a lot of wrestling type artwork for many many years now. That's awesome. I. I start the first customs i ever made they weren't very good uh but i i turned the i think i turned a galoob sting into a goldist i basically just painted him gold and then he nice. was he was goldist that's about as far and we got like dollar store because i i didn't customize any of the hasbros because you know they were like pride and joy sort of thing but uh yeah. you know we got like dollar store figures and i turned one of them into a cane uh, one of them into a Jerry Lawler, you know. Uh, but the the late '96, you know, that is one of my favorite periods for WWF because it's such an experimental time. When you look at like Shock and Saturday Night coming in, uh, Raw getting more edgy even back then. Uh, but it's understandable why WCW 
would be the preferred show because it's it's making this big noise and lots of colour and the whole NWO thing, and it's just such an impressive spectacle every single week. It's it's okay. easy to see why it would be um, more attractive sort of thing. And, you know, t- to your point, a lot of friends discovered or rediscovered WWF around the time when Austin, uh, sorry, when Tyson was brought in. Uh, pre-Mania 14, and uh, that that really did uh, change the tide, but the, the Raw after WrestleMania 14, WrestleMania 14 to me is kind of like the end of the season. Um, it, it really does like just reboot. Like, I don't think there's ever been such a strong reboot after a WrestleMania than 14 uh, exactly. when it really kicked into the Attitude Era, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's great stuff. So as an artist as well, what, what piqued your interest uh, early on? Um, as far as wrestling goes, as far as anything goes, like what were your early influences? Oh, well, I mean, my probably earliest influence was comic books. I was a huge, huge X-Men fan. Uh, when, when they came out with the new X-Men number one back in, I think it was 92. Um, I was, I was all in on that. And that was pretty much all I was ever drawing was, was X-Men and Cyclops was my favorite. So I was constantly drawing him in notebooks and on my homework and everything. So that was definitely a driving factor and my my older brother he's three years older than me and he's he's an artist as well so he he kind of I would watch him draw things and I would try to copy what he did and so that was that was pretty much the start of it for me so were you making your own comic books early on or was it um just sketches um it was mostly just sketches I didn't really have any sort of writing chops at all um I've I've since done a few things on my own but they're they're more kind of geared towards kids and all all ages kind of things. So uh-huh. but, yeah. So at that time, were you um, when because during the Attitude Era, a lot of the WWF comics uh, came out as well with you know China on the cover, uh, The Rock, yeah. Steve Austin. Uh, that was sort of the those were really the first comics since the Battlemania comics in what 91, 92. It, unless you include Scoop Sullivan, and you know I'll never have a word <laughs> said against Scoop Sullivan. Um, I've got a scoop dollar. If you, um, I think if you bought stuff from the catalog, you got scoop books or slam books or something <laughs> like that. And I've got a picture of Scoop Sullivan. I'll have to show you that at some point. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, was that like a perfect crossover thing for you, or did you take much notice of those at the time? Oh yeah, I had when I think it was was the Undertaker the first one that they oh, really he must launched have been, with. He been. I, I get yeah. them confused. Yeah. Yeah, and I think because my best friend in high school was a huge Undertaker fan and he, he collected everything Undertaker. So he and I would go to the comic book shop together. And I think we bought, they had probably had three or four variant covers and we bought them all. And then shortly after that, I think the mankind one came out and my brother was a big mankind fan. So we started collecting those ones. So yeah, those were, those were the two big ones I remember having were the, the Undertaker and mankind. Nice. So did you pursue um, art in education or was it just completely self-taught? Um, yeah, I did. I went to, to college for graphic design. Um, I've worked in the graphic design field in different different forms for almost 20 years now. And I've always, I mean, it's, it's mostly like I work at a sign shop now, so it, I don't have a whole lot of creative outlets for that because it's mostly just making signs for businesses and stuff but i've always on the side done done a lot of freelance stuff that caters to my interests and in comics and wrestling and stuff like that so with graphic design i'm guessing because i'm a musician and i have to work with a lot of software mm-hmm. um is it constantly 
learning because obviously you have the skills to be able to design but sometimes you have to learn new technologies and stuff like that so what what are the biggest leaps that you've had to take in terms of changes in technology since that time um yeah i mean the one thing that i really wish it was a little after my time but the advancements they've made in like the 3d modeling and rendering yeah um i i've tried my hand dabbled with it a little bit i would love to to get a lot better at it and i'm just it I always see when people do tutorials and stuff with it, it, it amazes me what they can do. And that's one thing that I would, I would love to, to be more proficient in, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the biggest, the biggest leap as far as things I'm interested in so mm. far. I, it, would it be for your own personal gain so you can make your own giant Gonzalez action figure or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I, because I, I actually co-created uh, a mascot for the local comic convention in the area, uh, and it's a, it's a little superhero cat, and I, I did, I've done a couple different toys that I've designed based on him, and one of them I, I modeled myself, and it was okay, and then the other one I just, I jumped on Fiverr and was like, hey, anybody want to do this for me? And they did it a lot better, so, but yeah, it's, it's definitely definitely something that I've always had in the back of my head. And one of these days I probably should learn a little bit more about it. Yes. And when you do, I'm, I'm getting you to make a glamour girl set for me. That's uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. why no, why no companies made a Judy Martin or Leilani Kai tag team set is, is a crime. Uh, mm -hmm. Hint, hint, Charles. <clears throat> um, so uh, with uh, action figure, uh, my first action figures, uh, it was 1992 and it was, um, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Undertaker, Big Boss Man with the WCW ring, uh, which was the hardest thing in the world. It was so easy to break your figures on that. Whereas the, the WWF ring, that was easy to break. So, you know, you barely broke any of your figures, but you went through about 10 rings a, a year, I think. But you could go to a flea market back then and buy a new ring for $2. So you didn't have to worry yeah. about it back then. Um, so... <clears throat> um, BCAs, you know, the, the previous incarnation, you know, we've got to we've got to talk about them to put things into context. But uh, it's kind of a there's such a um, renaissance and a resurgence with uh, the the previous to the BCA lines that are being made by uh, Cello Toys, uh, the Al Snows, etc. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing you do you not have quite the connection to them that you do with the the bone crunches just um, because they were the, like your first figures yeah i mean th that's kind of the thing is like i remember my grandpa was a big garage sale guy so he had he had bought at a garage sale when i was really little a, a bunch of ljns and a bunch of hasbros and they just stayed at at their house and I, I I know this is going to be sacrilegious to say, but the the toy room was also where the dartboard was, and uh, my brother and my cousins and I used to throw darts at the LJNs. <sighs> yeah, which it it breaks my heart to admit now that we we did that. But so those those were always just kind of a thing that yeah, when it, whenever you go over to Grandpa and Grandma's house, they've got the old wrestling toys. Mm -hmm. But I for sure was. A much much bigger collector of of the bcas and had hundreds and hundreds of them at the time well i, I stand by an amazing thing about those figures in particular is i think people forget how really how short of a time period they span but right. 
those four years, more things happened in those four years than probably yeah. any other four years in history. Right. So the, the, the range that they cover, and there's so many names that who were never made again and probably will never get a figure. I mean, anything's possible now, I would say. But I think it's unlikely that a lot of these names would get another figure again. And they may not need them because they were kind of done very well the original time around. I stand by that some of the, the bone cruncher figures were better than later versions of those figures because they molded things from head to toe and put in the extra effort. It seemed, yes, the, I mean, the facial, I never had a problem with the faces on the on the bone crunches because that was just the style. And I never thought that it, it wasn't like capturing the perfect likeness sort of thing. It was doing it in this maybe exaggerated way or this stylistic way. Uh, and it's like an artist's interpretation of the figure um, or, or of the wrestler instead of trying to, you know, because the technology probably wasn't available then at the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to that point, I've, I've always contended that every year in the 90s was its own decade, feels like. <laughs> and it's, it's ridiculous how much, when you think back, how much we're crammed into that time period. And then I got out of wrestling after my kids were born and I just got really busy with raising them and everything. And I missed the mid 2000s to late 2010s. And I remember going, looking at the toy aisles and seeing what was out there now. And it's like these, I mean, they look like them, but they just, the bodies look generic. And there was, they were pumping out 10 different versions of each guy every year. And it's like, this just doesn't have the same, charm that it did back in the 90s so it really kind of turned me off on that that is true but it was exciting when the classic names started to be made that's what kept me involved with collecting at that point because um you know the dicks and um uh, whoever else and jim and i and you know those kind of names that, that I, I i felt myself not connecting with uh wrestling or ww wwe quite as much at that point so the fact that the the retro names were uh being made was was a wonderful thing and um one thing that is i mean this has been uh announced by each other that this line the bone crushing wrestlers line every name that is going to be a part of this line could have feasibly have had a figure during the time period that the original line was made. So between 1995 and 1999, um, you know, I think series one maybe came out in 96, but it was based largely off, I would say mid to late 95, when you look at some of the attires and look at some of the names who could have been a part of it and some names who were replaced as well. Um, but it's not necessarily just names. I, you know, th this is just so if you haven't read, you know, the announcements yet uh, in terms of, what has been given away no names have been announced yet but it's names not necessarily just working for wwf it was names from it's going to be names from other companies uh there's at least one name who has never had a figure before uh it's yeah. it's uh it's very exciting so did you reach out to cella or did cella reach out to you in terms of when it came to uh designing the packaging for the for the line um, I was actually first approached by Jack from Figure Collections. Um, I, I'm a, a huge Macho Man Randy Savage fan. Actually, I have my Macho Man socks on right now, just special for this interview. <laughs> um, 
but I've got, I mean, I've got 30, 30 some different Macho Man figures from all the different companies. And a couple of years back, I just remember I was actually like just laying in bed at 3 a.m. in the morning thinking about Macho Man toys. And <laughs> As you do. I, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Normal stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking about how there wasn't a BCA Macho Man because he missed out on that time frame by a couple of years. And what what would it have been like had he had one? So as soon as I got up the day, I had to run to my computer and draw what that would have looked like. Um, and it, it got a couple of likes back then. And it was, I mean, it was just some nice little fan art. And then back in, I think it was late, late June, early July, I got a message from Jack saying, Hey, here's what I want to do. I saw your, your macho man drawing. Can you do that for me? I've got these, this list of names that I want to do. And at first I was just like, yeah, okay, you're, you're, you're going to make your own toys, whatever, buddy. <laughs> oh, I'll do it. So I started drawing it. And then he started telling me, yeah, I'm working with, with Chella. I'm like, oh, that, okay. That's a company I I've seen and heard of, and I've seen them make toys and just slowly as we kept working on this project, it's like, this, this is actually gonna happen. And now I'm, I'm seeing pictures of prototypes of toys. And it's like, okay, this, this thing that I drew is now going to be a toy. So it's been, it's been a, a six month process, but uh, yeah, we're actually, we're getting, getting close. And had you uh, designed packaging for anything before uh, this line? Um, just like I'd said, um, the, the toys that I did for our Comic-Con mascot, um, I did a couple different little packaging things for, for those, but nothing nothing on this scale, um, nothing with this much <laughs> that's near and dear to my heart and that I could go back and, and revisit things and try to do a nice homage to my childhood. Mm -hmm. Well, see, that was going to be the next question. Were there any, uh, see, again, trying to get the scoops here, Charles will be having a heart attack listening to this, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. were there any instructions or was it kind of look at what has come before, like you say, pay uh, homage with out you know you've got to add the, the cello logos in and all that kind of thing you know i mean this this won't be a surprise to anyone if you look at the uh the other line that cello have it's a homage to the the you know the original uh wwf figures of that type so were there any particular instructions that were given or or any series that you were asked to base the cards off etc i mean <sighs> I was kind of given free reign just knowing that Jack and Charles knew my background and knew that I was familiar with the lines. Um, I, I definitely was looking at a lot of, a lot of pictures of the series one cards and how mm. they did stuff on there. Um, it just happened the day that I was starting working on the packaging. I had gone to a toy show and bought a series three uh, Bret Hart men on card. Mm. Um, so I, I just happened to have that on my desk in front of me while I was working on it. So I, I kind of pulled, pulled some stuff from there. And I mean, by now everyone has seen our logo for the line and it definitely kind of, it plays with the color scheme and everything of some, some of the older stuff. So it, there's, there's bits and pieces, I would say from different things, but it also has a modern, modern updated look to it. I was chatting with uh, Jack on the previous episode about the, the Superstars logo that was okay. used. 
And um, it, it's one of my favorite logos. It's kind of weird because it was never used on TV, but it, it was just used on merchandise. So it was used on the ice cream bars. It was used on the early figures, but it was also used on uh, what were called Sporting Superstars poster magazines, which were UK exclusive, which he didn't know about. Uh, but it was also used on the 1998 calendar. Um, it, it shows up everywhere, but there's no rhyme or reason why <laughs> that logo was kind of used. But it is, it's iconic and it it's, you can't imagine any anything else with regard, you know, even throughout the entire history of that line, if you ask someone to remember a logo, that's the logo that they're going to remember because a lot of logos were used. And, um, when, you know, even when they used pay-per-view names, they didn't necessarily use the actual logo from that pay-per-view. If you look at Mania or some of those later sets like King of the Rings Survivor Series they didn't use those actual logos which I was always disappointed in because it just it just made sense for you to use the pay-per-view logo and and I'm a fan of branding and I like to see pay-per-view logos especially if it's from an event that I love on the backing card the Mania 14 set is one of those sets that did use the actual logo um and that's you know one of my favorite uh packaging from from that line do you have any particular favorite uh, designs uh packaging wise yeah well now that you mentioned the wrestlemania 14 now now i'm picturing is that singlet that they superimposed <laughs> over triple h's nipples um not a clue i i i don't know like didn't they put it on series six as well they used that on the series six image it's just I, so confusing yeah but. i think toys r us just had a no nipple policy so I don't know. <laughs> um, well the, the so a lot of the figures that released had no nipple policies as well i think <laughs> right yeah yep. um i can't remember what was I, I i apologize i don't have the encyclopedic knowledge that jack does mm-hmm. um but what what was the series was it seven that had x Pac? yes okay yeah and then that's when they did the the austin giveaway and everything and they started that kind of the the dual layer rectangular bubble on there i think that one was pretty cool with the i think it had the diamond plate background and everything um that was yeah, one that's that when they started putting the picture up the side as like the yeah. whole spine yep. didn't they and they did that until the end i think yep. didn't they yeah they that was for one that, that really and it, it was kind of a, a callback to those first series one and series two when they had mm. kind of the more rectangular bubble and it had the the insert with the picture on the side so that was definitely one that that stood out to me in the stores. Do you think that was a um, a result of WWF being more successful and having more money to invest in nicer looking packaging by that point? Because if yeah. you look at like you see all of those like series three to series six, it was kind of no not the backing card was beautiful, especially series four. Uh, the bad boys with the purple bricks and everything is one of my favorites. Um, but it was kind of no nonsense that kind of um i don't know what the like shield shape uh blister um you know in the same with the uh the double packs as well it was kind of no nonsense um with the, like the tag team series and stuff but once they started getting into too tough uh it started to get a little more advanced i love the uh too tough series two backing that kind of psychedelic uh tie-dye uh right, feel yep. to it very random when you look at the figures who were 
uh, meant to be in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. When the other company <laughs> first got the license, um, I mean, they were they were a small upstart that didn't really hadn't proven themselves. So, I mean, what it took to to do all the the tooling and everything for the packaging, they probably just didn't have the resources. So, mm-hmm. who knows? That's true. I, one thing I loved, um, I was thinking about this because I, I always found the uh, the final signature series set to be one of the most depressing like sets ever. Because one, it said last of the bone crunchers, and I was just like, and I, I'd seen some of those early TTL figures, and I was just like, oh god. Um, <laughs> and it was all re-releases, and I, even the color of the packaging I found a little dull. Uh, compared to say the SummerSlam series where it was that big vibrant orange color um, yeah. or even the King of the Ring sets in the red and the blue. And I think that the green, no, the green was unreleased, wasn't it? Um, the green backing card, they um, they didn't go with green, but I've seen images of uh, prototypes that they, were, they had green in mind. But uh, one thing I loved about the, the very last set was they used the... Um, would it be chromatic? The sort of the, uh, the, basically the signatures were shiny. It was like, you know, in blue ink on the, and it was really nicely done um, packaging. And I think it transitioned quite nicely into the the figures that were to come after it because they, they started with the Survivor Series boxes as well. So it was like a as smooth of a transition as possible. But, you know, I, I don't know what it's like in America, but when one line transitions into another, we don't get series one, <laughs> you know, like the, yeah. it takes a long time. Uh, like the current company, uh, we, there was a store that got in the last classic series about five months into the current company's uh, rollout. And, you know, um, it was like this weird mishmash of uh, toys on the shelves. Um but yeah, I, I'm, I'm just rambling on and now about like boxes <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so for you, in the previous uh, incarnation of these figures, do you have a favorite series, and why might it be Ringside Series Two? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember I I used the, the Ringside <laughs> Series Two for some customs back in the day. Mm-hmm. But, which I mean, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say they're my favorite if I <laughs> chopped them up and painted them, but. Um, <laughs> I think I was thinking about it and I think my favorite or one of my favorite individual figures was the nation of domination Owen Hart uh, that came in the, the two pack um, wasn't, wasn't a huge fan of the deco on the series six version of it, mm-hmm. but that the, the danger and the, the yellow and black, that was definitely one of my favorites for sure. I think we were lucky to get that eventually because I, I don't know how close to the time that came out uh, before he passed away. It was um, because in the UK, I, right. I think I saw one store miles away who had it, um, but that was after he passed and they, they you know, just had to have it in at that point. I mean, our stores took a while to get in certain series. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the series six own, as, as I mentioned to Jack, to me, because there was such a gap between series five and series six in terms of time, I always assumed that that Blackheart own heart was probably meant to be a heart foundation with the two times slammy because the hairs, the flat top, um, yeah. it's got the thumbs up, which kind of 
feels more heart foundation ish to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when you look at that Hunthurst Helmsley that came in that set, which is one of my favorite BCAs of all time, yeah. um, it feels so out of date when you look at who else is in the set, like Mark Henry and uh, you know, Jack the Jarrett. 98 style Jarrett. It just yeah. you know, it feels really weird. Like that, that Hunter belongs in series five to me. Um, yeah. but it's a, it's a, it's a great looking figure. One of the last. Oh no, I think it was when they released it in the Backlash series, much later on, that Hunter Her Sam's League with like the 2000 gear. Um, for me, the, the paint jobs on the faces of those Backlash figures, they were so good by that point. Yeah. Like if, if, if BCA had continued, it would have actually been a very good line and it would have, you know, held up against a lot of figures, I think. I actually thought that that, that Hunter, I thought that was a real scan head um, when I first looked at it, because, again, the paint application was so good. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to have seen, well, I guess they kind of did later on, but what, what would have been had the real scan technology come along during the BCA era? But Because mm. I know a lot, of those, a lot of those sculpts were a little out there, like probably, <laughs> I, if we're going to say... Owen was my favorite figure. I'd have to go with the, uh, uh, what was it? With the DTA series two, I believe the the rat faced Austin. Is that? Oh, with the the pointy ears, the the stomp, yeah. the stomp head yeah, Austin I mean, with the open mouth. Good lord, yeah. That's... And the the brown jeans for some reason. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, but, but yeah, some of those some of those head sculpts were. <coughs> A little yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, when and um once we started getting uh, WWF on uh I don't know what the word is in America, but like the equivalent of like um not cable but sort of TV that everyone gets. We call it terrestrial TV, sort of like those oh, yeah. channels that literally everyone gets. Uh, we started getting Sunday night heat in the pay-per-views, and when they cut into the break, they had a picture of that Austin figure. <laughs> that was oh, all no. the year. It was really weird, such an odd choice. And yeah. uh, <laughs> And I think because it was it was a stomp two head originally, hmm. and it didn't look as bad on that body. But I think there was something different about the necks or something that when it was put onto that standard shirt and jeans Austin body, it just distorted the head and it, just, ugh, it was nightmarish. Do, do you think? I mean, I don't know if this has been talked about, but because it was an underwater set stomp two, that there was a. Uh, an attempt to make Austin look like some kind of like creature from the Black Lagoon sort of thing, because it, it oh. just certainly doesn't look like Austin. <laughs> in, in yeah. Form. Um, yeah, that's that. I mean, nobody else in this series <laughs> looked looked that messed up, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I could definitely see some sort of deep sea creature <laughs> coming out of that package. Yeah. yeah. So with uh, with the previous line, um, okay, two questions. If there were, actually, no, I think it would probably fit into one question. If not, actually, okay, two questions. I'm being a terrible journalist here. Um, <laughs> after Signature Series, the last one, what would have been your next set, considering who was around at the time? And when you look at that time period of names that were never made, who should have been made like a top five? Oh gosh, what? Uh, trying to think of because a lot of the, I mean, the, the the TTLs were a lot of old names, right? 
They were, and that's what put me off a lot of them. I, I mentioned that to Jack, that I just didn't transition at all. Um, yeah. and, and bear in mind, a lot of those BCA names for the UK, they just didn't come out over here. A lot of them, like your Bob Backlands, your Sultans, anything like that. Oh, eBay, no. years later. <laughs> um, yeah. You know. yeah, I mean, it, I'm not really even sure who the, the mid-card to lower-card guys were in that time period, because I was... I was a big Triple H guy. I, I named my oldest son Hunter after him. <laughs> I thought um, you were going to say you named him Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come here, Triple H. Um, but no, yeah, I, I mean, that's he and The Rock were, were, were my guys around that time period. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't really have any issue with who they were putting out, but yeah, I can't even. Yes, Angle and Jericho would have been big ones. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, they were they were on their way up at that at that time for sure. Sean Stasiak. <laughs> they should have done a meat figure. I stand by it. I mean, TTL were going to do a meat figure. Oh, Sean Stasiak figure at least, and uh, that never got released. Um, yeah. I have a feeling though that a lot of those names that did get scrapped, like the face era Stephanie McMahon. Um, you know, I think I really think that they would have wound up as uh, BCAs, maybe. Uh, the jeans era British bulldog, those kind of names. Um, yeah. but like going back, I always said that smoking guns, I thought that was a crime that they never, uh, never received uh tag team figures. And um, but I, I think you know, part of me wishes that like names like the goon and Salvatore Sincere and uh TL Hop they belonged in the line as much as anyone else, and you need yeah. your jobbers to you know, uh. <laughs> <laughs> for you know Austin to beat and Bret Hart and everything. Yeah. I mean, now maybe we can write some of these wrongs. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see who wants to buy some of these figures. But this is an audio podcast. But you can see me going. Ooh, <laughs> wow! May we get that Rick Bogner as the fake Ridge Ramon figure finally? I'd be. I'd be excited. That would be something. <laughs> um. So with uh, the the current line, um, there are there are two series that have been confirmed. Is that correct? I believe so. I think that's what what Jack has said. I've only I've done the artwork for the complete series one, um, so I know I know who all is locked in on that. And then I think I've started a few series two but I don't know if I've been given the complete list yet, but I know Jack has said he's got it locked in. So once, once the time comes, I'm sure he'll uh, let me know. So. <laughs> are there any names that are just like blowing your mind at the moment? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. There's been, I, cause I'm constantly messaging back and forth with him throughout the day when I'm at my day job, supposed to be doing other things and I'm talking about toys. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's. I know Jack's so lucky. That is his day job. I mean, God, yeah. if he's yeah. ever hiring Jack, uh, feel free to, you know. Yeah. yeah. So he'll he'll message me throughout the day, and he'll say, "Oh, we got such and such," and it's like, "Wow, I did not think that was even an option." But uh, yeah, there's there's been some some big names, and there's there's actually one of them I had to message directly the other day because I needed some more information on something. And it's like okay, well now I'm I'm talking to this person, so I've I've been uh, connected through Jack, and it's been been a lot of fun working through the process. 
that's one thing that I, I love about the cello thing that it's um I shouldn't just call it the cello thing. The the cello toys process is that everyone that it is a team effort, but also they work directly with the names that are signed as well. And yeah. the, in the in the past, uh, with the other line, there have been names such as Haku who have asked for changes in the figure. Um, you know the the action, um, and I know certain wrestlers have asked for changes, um, and Chella have been accommodating with that. And I think that is a reason why a lot of these names are happy to work with Chella because they know that a lot of uh, love and effort and these names aren't picked lightly. There's a strategy behind a lot of these names. And, um, you know, and for me still, uh, the one that, you know, gets me there is the big daddy and giant haystacks uh, figures. Like my dad would have been just, he would have been blown away. And the fact that I got to do a podcast, do the retrospective on their careers and just being even remotely connected slightly officially to Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks is is an amazing I can't wait for those to come out. Are, are there any uh, of the uh, the other line of figures? Um, are there any that you're particularly looking forward to coming out, or are there any that you currently own already? Um yeah, I mean there's there's a few that we had discussed earlier on that was like wouldn't it be great if we could get this person mm-hmm. and now we do and it's like okay well I, that's probably the one that i'm most excited for but yeah it's been uh, jack has said many times that working with cella he he just can't believe the, the kind of names they've been able to to help connect us to and it's been a great partnership just to to be able to to work with them and and not only see all the great work they've done but the line continuing to grow and who they're they're able to add yeah i i i don't think it's well it's not giving anything away but even i've been asked to try and connect some names and i think i've been reasonably successful at it um and uh the the, uh the line was free figures for life if i was able to get some of those names so i'm going to constantly remind charles that he did say free figures for life. Um, yeah. I've, I've got a lot of room on these walls that need filled with Chella Toys action figures, don't you see? Um, <laughs> I do it for the love. I do it for the love. And the fact that I get interviewed, I mean, God, some of these names that are getting announced for the, uh, the that will be announced for the uh, Bone Crushing Wrestlers line, the idea that I could get to interview some of these names is just beyond mind-blowing i need to be i need to up my standards as a as a journalist and interviewer i think uh, it's it's been fun like that's why you were meant to say you were a perfectly fine interviewer <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> it's okay i don't fish for compliments <laughs> it's, it's been really fun for me with my customizing background yeah. as as we're getting these names like going through my head like oh i could use like go back and use this torso as a reference and just kind of piece together what I think would work best and use that as kind of my starting point. Like this is what it should sort of look like. And it's, it's been a lot of fun in that regard, like kind of using, using my, that part of my brain from my childhood to figure out what's where to start from and to make it look like they fit with the the original line. That's amazing. So 
with with your customizing um do you have any favorite pieces because I've, I've, I've been looking at your work and it's uh it's phenomenal and some really out out of the outside the box ideas um you know especially with uh your funko pop um randy yeah. savages i mean you'd, the yeah. one that you, you made look like the the old hasbro figure is is wonderful um <laughs> yeah. and the wrestlemania 7 one as well uh yeah. yeah do you have any particular favorites um that you've worked on um i mean yeah those ones recently have been a lot of fun um i know gosh i wish i wish that digital camera technology was was a little bit better back in the late 90s because i have no no photographs of anything that i made back then but i know there was one really cool i made a psychosis that had a removable mask and i I actually i sold that one on ebay for like i think it was like back then like 50 bucks and it it like blew my mind that somebody was actually wanting to buy this from me but that one was really fun um i actually made uh the very first samoa joe action figure back when he was in upw um and i i he was on a a radio show called wrestling 101 that i used to call into all the time and kind of built a rapport with with him and the other co-hosts so I did custom figures of them and sent it to them. So he has, or had, I, I doubt he still has it, but 20 years ago, he had the very first Samoa Joe figure. Oh, you never know, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. the, the thing is, we we forget, okay, Samoa Joe is older, a little older, um, but we're getting into the time period where wrestlers grew up collecting wrestling figures. I mean, you know, in the in the 90s and 80s, it was wrestlers who grew up in the 50s and 60s and they did not have action figures at the time. It may have been programs and ticket stubs and stuff like that. But, you know, it gets to the point now where wrestlers will purposely wear different gear so they can have a new action figure. You know, the first person I heard say that as a, an idea, it was Willie Regal. Um, oh, he wow. said, because I think it's partly because he doesn't get that many action figures. So he was like, if I change something up, there's a good chance that they'll um, they'll they'll make an action figure of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Did, did, have you, you must have seen the UK exclusive Regal that came out around 2005 in the Union Jack uh, box. Um, I don't know if I did because that that like I said, that was the time period that I kind of wasn't collecting. So yeah, that I probably missed that one. Well, it, it was a, a wrestling company who owned a toy shop in the UK and they put it out there. We have signed the rights to an exclusive William Regal action figure. And the fools, they let the fans choose which attire you could have. And one of them was the real man's man Regal. And I was like, yes, I, this Regal <laughs> nice. with the helmet, with the, an orange for him to squeeze, it has to be made. And uh, the three options were that one something else <laughs> um maybe commissioner regal or something like that and just current regal and do you remember when because he, when he teamed up with Lance storm he had like the blue and red gear but yep. before that or maybe slightly after that he had a, a singlet attached to that um and he had the born naughty shirt with the brass looks and he's even got a black eye which is fun but that's what they voted for and i was just heavily disappointed <laughs> that they didn't go for the real man's man regal that is yeah. one thing i love about figures now is that it seems like there are no options off the table in terms of who can be made what gimmicks can be made right. etc and I'm, I'm very excited about that um yeah so do, do you um 
What what's your most ridiculous favorite figure? Like, do you have like a just an insane gimmick um, that you just love as a figure that no one else? Oh, <laughs> no one else could like? I yeah, I'm looking around my my shelves of toys here. Um, I'm looking at Golden Girls toys. I'm looking at Dick Tracy. <laughs> I've gosh, Pee Wee Herman. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I've got I've got some weird, weird tastes. <laughs> I've got Planet of the Apes stuff over there. Gosh, it just ru- runs the whole the whole gamut. I've got a big Planet of the Apes bust on one shelf. Oh, look at that! Yeah, people <laughs> can't see this. I might have to take a screenshot or something. But that is the yeah, this is the film. So you're a big Golden Girls fan? Oh yeah, yeah. I I grew up watching Golden Girls with my grandma, who was who was basically a Rose Nyland herself. So. <laughs> It was definitely an, another big part of my childhood was Golden Girls. Yeah. So you're a product of um, primetime American TV shows. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Raised by TV, like most of us American kids of the 90s. No, I get it. Like that's the thing. I was I was as well, but a lot of this a lot of the stuff in the UK that I watched as a kid hasn't really stood the test of time in terms of pop culture or marketability. So it's not like we're going to get um, action figures of some of the shows that I used to watch, which is a shame. So I'd, I'd end up trawling through eBay for like original memorabilia that no one wants of this stuff. But they did Golden Girls Pops as well, which I thought was oh yeah wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so and, um, do you have a favorite wrestler of all time? It is Randy Savage. Oh, oh yeah. Yep, yep. Macho Man for sure would be my all-time favorite. He's probably, which is weird because he's probably of the big names. He's one I never got to see wrestle in person because I think the last time he did a show <coughs> in my hometown was like the year before I really got back into it. And then he never, never came back. And so I never, never got to see him, but he's for sure, for sure one of my favorites. Do, do you have a favorite match and do you have a favorite attire? Oh, gosh. Of his? Oh, boy. I mean, it, it would probably be cliche to, to say the, the steamboat match, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's it's a classic um, for sure. As far as attires go, there's so many, so many to choose from. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at my shelf now trying to pick which one I like the best but I mean the, the slim gym gear was definitely I know that wasn't wasn't from a match or anything but that's pretty iconic in the the pop culture zeitgeist for sure um but yeah I mean any of his looks are so iconic it's hard to hard to pick just one I always kind of find it interesting in a mark out of this when a wrestler from WWF like Randy Savage, it wasn't just him. It was other people as well. They would go to WCW and once in a blue moon, they would wear something that they previously wore in a WWF. And um, there's one um, nitro where Savage comes out and he's wearing his, um, it's his WrestleMania six tights. Oh, wow. But it, but it is WrestleMania nine top, um, <laughs> which I found like insane. I mean, there's a Nitro. I just watched it recently where Sherry is managing Harlem Heat, and she comes out in her WrestleMania six wrestling gear. It's it's so weird to see it because it like yeah. you're used to her wearing the dresses and stuff like that. I love it when that stuff um, just shows back up randomly. I mean, Randy, 
Um, he auctioned off all of this stuff, what, around 2004? And I, I, I got one thing, but it was years later. And this was before everything just blew up in terms of value and stuff. And I, I wish I didn't sell it, but it was a, um, it was a boot cover. But, you know, around 93, when he wore... Uh, so there were there were like flaps that were cut into like four or five pieces, and it was largely because he was just commentating at that point. But right. he he moved to wearing a lot of glitter on his attires instead of sequins. And this one is it's plain black, but it's got um, prismatic glitter stars, and it has you know the unbelievable uh, logo from ninety three ninety four with the explanation mark at the uh, end of it. Um, I did have that, and I I wish I didn't sell it now. Um, but yeah, I don't, I've only got one ring worn figure, just uh, one of Bobby Heenan's Monday Night Raw jackets. Um, cool. but again, it was before everything you know went insane. Um, I mean, do you do you have like a ring worn piece or do you have like a prized wrestling thing in your collection? Oh gosh, I don't know, I don't have any ring worn items. Um, uh, I mean, I hate to admit it, but when my oldest son was born, I sold my entire collection, which I'm kicking myself now for because now he collects wrestling stuff too. It's like, oh, he would have loved this, but gosh, I don't even know what my, what my one favorite thing is. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think I really even have one, one particular thing. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of little stuff. You have a good, you have an amazing cross section of stuff though. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, That's one thing. My problem. <laughs> so, are you? Are you? You Americans don't know how lucky you have it with garage sales and uh, your thrift stores. Like when I was in America, my mind was blown at just the stuff that people happily give away or sell that they don't place much value on. And I think there's always the opportunity to grab some real bargains. Um, Oh, that's my cat as well. So yeah, he might come on camera at some point. But yeah, um, yeah. So are you a fan of the, the thrift store and uh, garage sale? Can't pass yeah. one up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, my grandpa was a big, big garage sale guy. So I inherited that from him a little bit, and it's it's hard to find find good stuff at, at thrift stores these days. But I mean, the a lot of these vendor malls have popped up around where it's each broken up by different stalls of the different sellers and there's a few in the area where there i know that they have a few stalls with a lot of good wrestling toys and stuff like that that i can always hit up and see what they've got new i just i watched a video a guy that runs one of the stalls near my near nearby me he opened a, a factory fresh case of some wcw uh, toy biz oh. figures Okay. It's like where do you where do you find this stuff? <laughs> but yeah, so I'll I'll swing by there and see what what they've got. But I mean, they always they they try to sell stuff at a little bit of a premium there since it's supposed to be more of a boutique kind of antique store. But everyone knows how much everything's worth now. It's impossible yeah. to get any real good bargains anymore. I find. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But one things that some things that are complete bargains are the official Chalatoys action figures. Um, yeah, I get paid every time I say that. Um, <laughs> uh, Chalatoys.net and figure collections. Uh, you will 
find your entire range of uh, what you need from uh, bone crushing wrestlers as they get announced. Announcements coming very soon um, is the official line. <laughs> um, and I can't wait to uh, you know talk about them to you and to Jack as well. And we can start going in depth on uh, some retrospectives on careers um, and you know, some of their other figures or merchandise and stuff like that, because we can talk about that stuff all day as uh, as Sonny makes a slight cameo there. Um, on on Sonny's my cat, by the way, not Sonny. Uh, Tammy said she's not in the room. <laughs> um, so, okay, do you have a favourite exclusive uh, Bone Cruncher wrestler? Um, I love the executioner figure. And I love the blonde Paul Bearer. Those are two of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, those were... I, all those box sets came out right before I started collecting. But speaking of Sunny, I went to... There was a store that was... It was an outlet store for KB Toys. And they had a bunch of stuff. And they had the... Oh, gosh. I want to say... Was it the Monday Night Raw? The Rose War set with Vince and Sonny and the Vince. Pink and yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that that was always one of my favorite finds was that that four pack and it had the the pink Sunny and everything. So and I think that, that was, was the I mean I could be wrong because I'm I'm not a, a diehard expert on BCAs. I'm a collector, but was that the only time or the first time they released a Brett without a shade? Um, I think so. And because that was a big deal, like a Brett without shades, that never happened before. And of course, his face was a little distorted and messed up looking because of it. But it could be argued that they've never gotten it right ever. Brett's face. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's it's kind of I I I think I commented on social media recently about the most recent one they released, where it kind of looks like they did a a face scan of him now and put it on (laughs) the figure. It's like, that's definitely not the the right age of this man, but who knows? The Rose War Box sets are very cool. And I like, again, that they used the logo and they theme it quite well because a disappointment for me was that they never used like the black and yellow uh, police tape for the shotgun Saturday night uh, figures. They used the badge, the police badge, but they could have um, went a bit further with that, I think. But uh, yeah, those box sets are things of beauty. I love the champions box set that they did, the nation of domination box set, uh, buried alive. Um, And then the second championship box set with the the outlaws and the rock and Austin. And I've always, I'm I'm always captivated by, (laughs) I mean, obviously I like the art side of things, but trying to figure out, like, you look at those, like the outlaws from that set compared to the original outlaws they released. And the original ones almost have these puffy cartoon looking faces. And then all those ones have these really like narrowly sculpted, just the features of them are really narrow. And you can tell the same guy did all four of those, but not the definitely not the same guy that did the originals. So. That's the one with that terrible rock head, isn't it? The yeah, smiling one. Of, oh gosh, yeah, he's yeah. smiling and he's got the, the tan pants and yeah, <laughs> yeah. What were they thinking? The, the, the Billy Gun from that set though could have made a good rocker Billy, yeah, um, yeah. custom. It was perfect for that, wasn't it? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and I always thought as well that the, the original Billy Gunn, because he's got that bandana with that they kept using forever, even when he wasn't wearing bandanas anymore. Um, yeah. Thankfully, they ended up updating that head. But my thinking was when they brought that out in the Too Tough set, Billy Gunn was probably originally meant to have the long tights and they just made a last minute change. It feels like that was probably the case. And it's such an yeah. easy change. Well, you yeah. don't have to replace any parts or anything like that. But um, knowing the the track record of that company, that definitely could have been something <laughs> they had to change on the fly and just go with it. So before we wrap up, do you have uh, any uh, of that those lines where they replaced the parts and it was just like a ridiculous part change? Like I've seen Goldust's hand or arm. On like a razor Ramon figure, but like just you know what I mean, like and things like that with the gloves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if because by the time I don't think I started collecting them until probably series four or so. Mm-hmm. And I I think by that period they had pretty much got it figured out where they were using the right pieces for the right figures. Um I, I know it wasn't accidental, but the one that always sticks out going back to that Owen figure is when they just blatantly reused his head for Jeff Jarrett. And that always rubbed me the wrong way for many reasons, but yeah, that's, yeah, but that was, I think that's the only one that I ever remember as glaring. <laughs> and then, I mean, there well, they, was used the mark- the, uh, they used the Patriot head for the blue blazer. Oh figure. yeah. And yeah. I, I never knew that until probably like a year ago because we never, there was in the town I grew up in, there was one Walmart that was probably a half hour drive away. And of course I was, I think 15 when it came out. So I had no chance of getting over to that Walmart. And like the, the one time I could convince my parents to drive all the way out there, they of course didn't have it. So I never, never owned it. And then I, it's always been kind of one in the back of my head that the one that got away and I finally looked at some close-up pictures of it a few years ago. It's like that's a patriot head. That's <laughs> really cheaply done. What the heck? But well, when you think of, me. well, the effort they went through to give them the cape. I mean, soft yeah. goods on those figures were a rarity. Um, what Goldus robe, uh, yep. Kurgan's um, tie-dye shirt, the the blue blazer. The, I can't think of many more that had soft goods. Yeah, there was the Undertaker with the, the ministry robe that was that's true and there's a lot of austin t-shirts and rock t-shirts oh, as yeah. well but yeah. um you know doa we're never going to have removable waistcoats oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> or justin bradshaw was never going to have um anything removable i mean don't get me wrong the blackjacks figures were great as a display piece but if you wanted to play with them they would have to wrestle wearing the hats in wearing yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Bradshaw should count himself lucky that he was the first one to have two different figures anyway. So he gets what he gets. Yeah, did they even use different heads for Bradshaw window or did they just paint them ever so slightly differently? I, I can't even remember now. <laughs> no parent would ever look at that and go, yeah, that seems like it's worth the money. You yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you have to get them out there though. But then there was no Ferdinand Lafon as a result yeah. of that. And I think arguably more deserving of being yeah, in series one the, i mean the tag division when, when those first came out was kind of a, in a weird place to begin with so i mean they didn't have a whole lot to draw on but who knows 
Well, I mean, it, it says it all when there was only one set of the tag team figures, and then yeah. they went to too tough a little bit later on. But uh, yeah. and and the managers see the managers double packs as well, which you know definitely worth um, worth mentioning because you know Clarence Mason and that Paul Bearer figure is a wonderful figure, and uh, oh yeah, and the Bob Backlund. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, so yes, because uh, as as the listeners are starting to tell we could just talk about BCs all day long uh, <laughs> yeah. but we can't wait for the news of the uh, the bone crushing wrestlers to uh, be released and then we can go massively into those as well but the aim of these the, the last two shows with Jack and yourself is to introduce you hopefully to the channel audience who do don't know about you i mean a lot of, a lot of the audience do know about you guys but just to give some background and to show that you have the knowledge and the love and the passion and you know, this isn't just a commission. This is like a labor of love and you're knowledgeable about these and uh, you're going to be working going forward um, to bring such a high quality product. I mean, again, we've seen some of the the uh, the blueprints and the prototypes and just mind-blowingly good. Uh, but mind-blowingly good, but maintaining that BCA feel as well. So, you know, they that's one thing Chella does incredibly well is with like the the other style of figures as well they capture the essence of them um you know as good as anyone i think i've ever seen in my opinion so um yeah I'm i've sh- i've i've been blown away by what i've seen so far and i mean i designed the things and i'm still still <laughs> surprised when i see it so it'll yeah, be exciting amazing so um where can people uh, find uh, yourself on social media? And if I mean, if people were to hire you, etc., how would people go about doing that? Well, I mean, I think probably the the best way, since I am an artist, uh, would be to look look me up on Instagram, which I'm just at Maddie Breeze 1984. So take a peek there and see all the all the work I've done. And I mean, there's there's pictures of my kids and stuff too on there. So <laughs> you might you might have to scroll down a little bit and. And it right now it looks like I haven't been drawing much on my Instagram because I've been working on these figures for the last six months and I, I haven't been able to share much of it. So it doesn't look like I've been drawing much recently, but I've pretty much been putting all my all my work and time into into this series. So but yeah, Maddie Breeze 1984 on Instagram and check me out there. That's very exciting. And of course, uh, for all Chella uh, news, obviously tune in to this podcast on uh, bbgwrestling.com. Uh, you can find my page, Turn Chuckle, on Instagram, which uh, you know has everything from figure reviews to merch. I, I have all sorts of crap that no one wants, but I, I like talking about it in depth. Uh, you know, cans of soda from Israel from 1994 and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's not just figures. There's all kinds of all kinds of junk on there, um, and you can find that at uh, Turnchuckle, and uh, you can find the Turnchuckle show on BBG, where I've interviewed tons of names from Ahmed Johnson to Psycho Sid to Princess Victoria, um, and obviously check out Chella on uh, ChellaToys.net and on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Carrier Pigeon. Uh, they, they have all social media t- t- tins of you know cans on string you know you can contact them that way as well um and yeah all good stuff so yeah i want to thank you matt for being my guest on this episode of the official Chalotoys toys podcast on bbgwrestling.com and we will see you all next time <laughs>